This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. The following content is brought to you by Paul Bramblett, Orange Thunder, and Abigail 13. Hey everybody, it is episode 571, it's Friday, and you guys know what that means. That means it's time for the mailbag. Uh, On the mailbag, we're going to talk about, of course, in addition to the mailbag is what I mean, uh, we're going to talk about Eternal Castle, which is a game that I've been playing for a couple of weeks now. We're going to talk about Phenotopia, which I already talked a little bit about that game. Of course, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is on its way, and we've got some new news about that that and we've got ninjala and of course your comments with the mailbag so uh before we get started with all of that stuff i wanted to let everybody know that we record the the uh the podcast every single monday wednesday and friday you can uh follow me on twitch or youtube uh the friday episodes are on youtube the other days are on uh twitch and if you want links to all of those things, just head on over to runjumpstomp.com. Let's get started with the show, though. Um, let's start with Eternal Castle. So Eternal Castle is, man, when I saw this, I was I was kind of blown away by the art style. If you kind of go back, it, it's funny. I was having a conversation with somebody recently, and we were talking about... Um, the really, really old uh, CGA graphics from when I was a kid. So if if you were not into PC games uh, back in the 80s, there was something called CGA, uh, which I don't, I don't remember what they stood for, uh, but that was four colors. So the games that you could play on a CGA graphics card uh, had four colors in them. And then EGA uh, doubled that to eight colors, Right, so well, or actually, I think it was sixteen colors at that point. So EGA extended graphics adapter um, that brought it up to sixteen colors, I think, and this is all from memory. And then, oh my God, the Holy Grail VGA, and I know a lot of people have heard of VGA. VGA was like two hundred and fifty-six colors, which at that time it, we were just blown away at what you could do. But there was something about that that CGA, that four-color palette that they had back in the day that really impressed me with what they could do with just those four colors. And Eternal Castle is a game that is kind of doing that. It, they, they went for that four-color um, palette of like a teal and a pink and black and God, it's almost and white, and it's really just four colors uh, that you get to see. And they limited themselves to a very, very restrictive color palette, and it's really awesome. 
uh, really cool the way it looks. The amount of detail that they are able to put in a game when they have restricted themselves so much is very impressive. So what kind of game is Eternal Castle? Well, the best way that I would personally describe that game would be it's kind of like Prince of Persia or... And I'm talking about the old Prince of Persia, like way back in the day. Um, So like Prince of Persia or uh, Out of This World where they've rotoscoped everything uh, in the game. So as the character is moving, basically what they did is they filmed a person running and then they, they, they traced it essentially in order to get the frames of animation uh, to, to, to make the character look like they're moving fluidly. This is something that they did way back in the day with Prince of Persia. Uh, and with games like that and Out of This World. And this is a game that combines the four-color aspect of CGA graphics with the gameplay that really didn't come along, uh, the gameplay and animation style, which really didn't come along until uh, much later. Well, I don't want to say much later, but, but later in any way. Uh, so Eternal Castle, I'm I'm still fairly early in the game, but I I had a lot of fun playing that game. It's very very impressive, and uh, it is now out on Nintendo Switch. If you want to know more about it, and you're listening to the podcast, uh, go to my YouTube channel, um, which you can find a link by going to runjumpstomp.com, and you can then uh, click on the show notes. This is episode 571. And then you can watch and see what the game is like. It's really, really fun. And there's some fun moments in my first look video where uh, I get killed unexpectedly and and laugh a lot. All right, let's move on and talk about another game real quick. And this one I've already talked about on the show because they were a little more lax with the embargo on what I was allowed to say because the game wasn't out yet. And that's Phenotopia. Uh, Phenotopia Awakening is uh, basically a two... It's inspired heavily by uh, 2D Zelda games. and Or 2D Zelda games. By Zelda 2 is really what I mean. Um, in the fact that you are... Uh, let, let, let's say that you're moving around in the overworld, okay? And then once you're in the overworld, um, there's like all of these little monsters that can attack you. And if they attack you, if they come up to you and bump into your character, then you will be teleported to a two-dimensional mode where you can either go left or you can go right in order to uh, exit that little area. And while you're in there, you can fight the monsters that are there in order to get coins, uh, which then you use later on in the game in order to make your character more powerful, if that makes sense. Um, This game... I. From what I understand, it's a, it's a port of an old Flash game, uh, but don't hold that against it because I've been having a lot of fun with this game. It's it's pretty tough. Um, like, there's no map, and um, I'm currently, like, in this temple, and I'm having trouble finding my way out of the temple or to the boss of the temple. Or I, like, I'm kind of lost. Um, but I'm, I'm having a lot of fun and I really do like Phenotopia. Uh, so if that, if you're a fan of Zelda two, which I think not many people are, 
Uh, I think that if you are a fan of this, then it's definitely a game that you you want to check out because this is it's very very well made. It's got a cool animation style. It's uh, just about everything about this game is very impressive to me. Uh, so I think a lot of people are going to be put off by the idea that this game, you know, is based on or is a port of an old Flash game, and I I hope that people. Uh, won't hold that against it. Uh, if you're curious, go watch my first looks. So you can find out more about it. The game is really cool, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, that being said, I still have yet to get to a single boss because um, I'm lost in this dungeon. And I can't quite figure out uh, where I'm supposed to go. Oh, one thing that I do want to mention that I thought was really cool is as I was um, you know, picking up items and stuff, you have like an inventory... And you can assign special, like, different weapons. Like, I got the slingshot, and I can assign that to a certain button. Um, you also pick up food and things. And then there's even, like, a little cooking mini game. So you can go uh, in the game, uh, head to, uh, like, a campfire. And if you strike, like, flint in front of a campfire, it lights the campfire. And then you uh, go to cook stuff. And it brings up this little cooking mini game, which I always like when they do stuff like this. Basically, you've got uh, a dot that moves back and forth across a bar. And as it moves back and forth, you want to hit the button in the middle, but the button keeps changing. I was really struggling with this because I play on PlayStation. I play on Stadia. I play on my Xbox controller. I play on my uh, Nintendo Switch. And the buttons are all in different places on all of those. So every time it was like press X or A or B or Y or whatever, I'd always be like, okay, I got to look down and then press the button. I could like, I just could not get good at this, uh, but that's okay because it still, it still felt pretty forgiving. Anyway, uh, those are two games that I've been playing on my Nintendo switch. And I think that they're really, really fantastic. And, and you're going, well, I'm early on. So what I've played so far is really, really fantastic. I think that if you give them a chance, you will be uh, duly impressed have you experienced the awesome power of the panasonic real 3do system all right we've got two quick news stories that i want to get to before we uh start the mailbag portion of the show uh so let's get started with ninjala ninjala i guess has had a problem where um uh users will join the uh, the, uh, the the matchup lobby and then immediately quit and that kind of ruins the game for anybody else. So first off, if you're one of those people, knock it off. You're being a jerk. But secondly, um, the Ninjala team has uh, posted something about this. So let's let's talk about this real quick. Uh, here's what they had to say. Uh, we promise to do everything in our power to address the underlying issue. Uh, basically, there are some people who are doing this because they're mad about something. And so that that's how they're voicing their displeasure, which is not the right way to go. But they said, we're going to try and fix the underlying issue, of course. Then they said, at the same time, the act of intentionally and repeatedly exiting the matching lobby and canceling matching is one that greatly inconveniences other players. And we therefore ask that players not engage in this behavior. Furthermore, be aware that the Ninjala team is consistently monitoring player reports and logs. If any such actions are deemed to be malicious, we reserve the right to institute matching bans 
or suspend accounts in accordance with the Ninjala teams of terms of service. Uh, so, look, I get that there are people who are unhappy about whatever the underlying issue is, which I don't know what it is because I don't really play that game. I played it a little bit just to find out what it was like, and I decided pretty quickly this is not for me. Um, but don't be that person that is ruining everybody else's fun because you're mad about something. That's that's just not fun for anybody. Um, secondly, I want to say good on uh, the Ninjala team for saying we're going to ban you if you continue to ruin other people's gameplay. Because, you know, as as a dad and a guy who has a job and I've got a lot of things to do, when I sit down to play a game, I don't like having that time wasted. And when you are somebody uh, who are super busy and maybe I wanted to sit down and play Ninjala and then suddenly... Like every time I connect, people just keep disconnecting. It's wasting my time and it's not really hurting anybody except for other players. So I just, I think that that's a really bad way to go about it. So hopefully you're anybody listen. You know what? I'm not really worried about anybody who listens to this show. Um, I have like the best audience. So you guys wouldn't do that. Uh, moving on. One of the games that I'm most excited about for, um, uh, that's coming out in, gosh, today's the 21st, so I think in a week, I think it comes out next Friday, uh, is Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition. And we're getting some bonus stuff with with this game, which I didn't even, you know, even if I didn't get any bonus stuff, I'd still be excited for this game uh, because I didn't really feel like I got to experience the the game the way it was supposed to be experienced back when it came out on the GameCube. Now, for those of you who have not played it, I'm going to go real fast through this. It's a game that required you, if you wanted to really experience the game, to have a GameCube, a copy of the game, four Game Boy Advances, and four Game Boy Advance link cables, and four friends who you know to play with. And that was kind of a high bar to ask, you know, not not so much the friends part, but GBAs and link cables. That's a problem. Um, so I only ever got to play this with one other person because only one of my friends had a GBA in addition to me. And we played this game, and it was really, really cool, but we never really got to experience the whole game. And that's because it was designed around this. Now, when it comes to Nintendo Switch, it has online matchmaking, matchmaking so you're going to be able to play with other people over the Internet, and that means you're going to be able to explore everything that we didn't get to the first time around, which I'm very excited for. But in addition to everything that we didn't get the first time around or everything that I didn't get to the first time around, there's also going to be 13 post-game dungeons. So after you finish the game, there's also going to be 13 more dungeons for you to go into, which is really cool and exciting. And I, I love it when game companies do things like this. I hope that what Square Enix ends up doing with Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition, I hope that they just continue to add dungeons to the game that, you know, myself and my friends can log in, we can play together, we can go through, do a couple of dungeons, and log off. And then, you know, the next month, they, they, even if it's paid DLC... 
five bucks for another five dungeons or something like that. That would be really fantastic, and I think it would extend the life of this game for a really long period of time because, you know, this kind of game I feel like is going to be very flash in the pan. Uh, If you're not playing it when it first comes out, then it's one of those games that is going to end up falling off in popularity because people will get what they want out of it and move on. But if Square keeps bringing back more and more content to it, then I think that people are going to keep playing it for a much longer period of time. And I think that that is a really, really good thing. Uh, I'm excited for this game. I can't wait for it to come uh, to Nintendo Switch. Sega. Hot hits today. Hot hits on the way. Plug in to today's hottest arcade hit. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, everybody, it's time for the mailbag. Throughout the week, I ask you questions on Twitter. You respond, and we talk about it. Before we actually get to one of my questions, uh, I will say friend of the show, Tony P. Henderson, who's got a, an awesome podcast called Tony P. Oddcast. Uh, make sure you check out his show. Uh, he tweeted to me, and I haven't actually watched this yet. Uh, I'm going to get around to it as soon as I am able, but he tweeted to me uh, this, that uh, there is now a Netflix video game documentary series called High Score. Uh, And uh, here's what what Nintendo Wire says about it. It brings solid doses of nostalgia and history to fans. You can read our thoughts about the series ahead of its August 19th release. So it is out now. Uh, Tony P. uh, tweeted this to me to bring it to my attention. I had no idea about it. So I am looking forward to watching this. I have read a few books about... um, uh, about... Uh, video game history and stuff like that. And I always find this stuff to be incredibly uh, captivating and interesting. Like Console Wars is a wonderful book that you absolutely should read. Um, I also read The Secret Secret Life of Mario or something like that. It was basically how Nintendo came to the the U.S. and uh, saved the gaming industry from itself. Uh, I really... Uh, like that book, but let's talk about the mailbag, the the things that um, that you guys think. And if you've watched uh, High Score, let me know what you think about it. But let's get to the the mailbag questions that I posted. So this one, not a huge surprise, um, how how one sided it is. Uh, however, let let me let me explain. So Super Mario Sunshine. For the most part, I think most people would say that that is the worst of all of the 3D Mario games. Now, I don't know that it's... 
even saying it's the worst 3D Mario game is still saying it can still be a pretty fantastic game, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't know if it is the worst, but I had a lot of fun playing it when I had it on my GameCube. And there's been rumors uh, that Super Mario Sunshine would be coming to the Nintendo Switch. And I was just curious what people thought, would they want a sequel to Super Mario Sunshine, even though that particular game uh, performed fairly poorly? And uh, a lot of people would say it was uh, kind of rushed and didn't 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 hold up to the normal standards of most 3D Mario games. 82, well, actually 83, if you're rounding, 83% of people who responded said yes. They said, hell yes, they want a Super Mario Sunshine sequel. You know, bring back Flood and uh, Mario. And I think that that's, that that's very interesting. The game that most people uh, are kind of cast derision upon, uh, they, they want another one. I think that that's very interesting to me. Uh, so just looking at a couple of the answers, uh, Adamantium uh, says, I'm torn. I was never a fan of the Flood gimmick. And if you've never played Super Mario Sunshine, it is this backpack. And uh, basically, if Mario goes into water, it he can refill the backpack. And then he can use the backpack in order to fly around like a water jetpack, if that makes sense, which is really cool. Uh, but anyway, Adamantium says, I'm torn. I was never a fan of the Flood gimmick, but the levels and gameplay were really good. So I'd enjoy a new Mario game in that style, but maybe with a few improved tweaks. I can I can certainly see why some people would be against the Flood stuff. I will say that in Super Mario uh, Sunshine, there were lots of levels where they took away Flood and so you had to do things in the traditional Mario fashion. So uh, keep that in mind as well. I also sent out a question this week, and this one is uh, a lot less one-sided. So there's rumors that, and I'm sure that if you listen to this show, you probably already know that there's rumors that, that Skyward Sword might be coming to Nintendo Switch. And the basis of those rumors is because it showed up Skyward Sword for Nintendo Switch on Amazon UK, I think it was. Well, I asked if Skyward Sword came to the Nintendo Switch but didn't support handheld mode, would that be a deal breaker for you? Now, if you didn't play Skyward Sword, it was the one that came out on the Wii. And when you played it on the Wii, you would do like a vertical attack by by moving the Wii remote in a downward motion or a horizontal attack by moving it in a sideways motion. And I think there were even diagonal attacks. Uh, I can't remember because it was so long ago. But that meant the game was designed around motion controls. And if they brought it to Nintendo Switch, obviously there's a possibility that that motion controls would work because we have the Joy-Cons. And the Joy-Cons have the gyroscopes in it. And if anything, I think Nintendo has gotten better at motion controls over the years, so it might be like the best way to play it. However, there are a lot of people out there who only play their Nintendo Switch in handheld mode. And if you are somebody who only has a Nintendo Switch Lite, you can only play in handheld mode. You really don't have any option for the most part to do motion controls. 
So for this game, which was designed around motion controls, does it make sense to port it to a system that may or may not give people the option to use motion controls to play the game? And so I asked that, and 46% of people who responded said yes, and 53% of people who responded said no. Uh, So that's really, really close. I think that's obviously within the margin of error. Let's see what people had to say about this. Um, Matt Squatch says, It would be disappointing since I play 90% handheld, but I'd still buy it anyway because it's Zelda. Brad Farrell says, I rarely play in handheld. I'm such a sucker for playing on my TV, and it's the same with Stadia. Uh, Gavin Butcher says, One of my favorite Zelda games. I would love to play it on the Switch. Anna Foster says, Nope, I mainly play on my television anyway. Um, Let's see... One more. Sean uh, says, The majority of my gaming is in neither handheld nor docked mode, but in tabletop mode with detached Joy-Cons. While I assume that tabletop play is supported as long as its docked play is supported, I am opposed on principle to the idea of Switch games that don't support handheld play. And I'm I'm trying to imagine for a second, in tabletop mode... Like, usually when I play a game in tabletop mode, I set the switch down on the table in front of me, I take the Joy-Cons off, and I'm I'm sitting really, really close. Close enough that doing motion control stuff like they did in Skyward Sword, I would be likely to hit the table with my hands. Uh, so I think that that... I don't think that it would work really well in tabletop mode. And if you got far enough away to do the motion controls, it'd be hard to see the screen because the screen is only seven inches or something like that. So I don't think it would make a lot of sense to play that game in tabletop mode. And I'm, I'm kind of with Sean here. I don't like the idea of games that only have motion controls and don't have handheld play, but we do have games like that, you know, games like one, two switch, but it, you know, those aren't Zelda games. Zelda games are supposed to be something on their own, and I think it would be a huge mistake. So if I were voting in this poll, I would have voted, yeah, that would be a deal breaker for me. Don't don't get it. And actually, I'm looking at the poll right now, and I think I misspoke. Um, yes, 46%, that would be a deal breaker for them. 53%, that would not be a deal breaker for them. I think I was uh, conflating what my yeses and nos meant on this particular question. Hey, Paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show! We've got one more topic that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Pikmin 3 Deluxe was announced recently by Nintendo, and I asked people, do you think that Nintendo has justified the $60 price tag on Pikmin 3 Deluxe? Also, what do you think about the removal of Pikmin 3 from the Wii U eShop? So, just to catch everybody up, Pikmin 3 was a Wii U game. It is now being being brought to the Nintendo Switch as a deluxe version with multiplayer. So now it has uh, couch co-op, essentially, which is really, really cool. Um, But the game is coming out with a $60 price tag. Now, just to remind everybody, I believe that the original Pikmin 3 only sold roughly 200,000 units. And the reason for that is because the, the Wii U was so poorly adopted that there were an incredibly small number of people to actually buy that game. And I could be wrong, 
But I believe that it also came out kind of mid to late in the life cycle of the Wii U, and a lot of people had already moved on because there were so few games to play on it. So Pikmin 3 Deluxe didn't do too well on the Wii U. But Pikmin 3 Deluxe is widely regarded as a very, very good game. So they brought it to, or they're bringing it to the Nintendo Switch, $60 price tag, and then they also remove it from the Wii U eShop so you can't go and buy it on the Wii U eShop. And I said, well, what do you guys think about this? Um, This is a little more of a one-sided, two-thirds of people basically said, no, $60 is too much. They They didn't justify the price. And uh, about a third of people said, well, 60 bucks is okay. Let's see what people give as reasons. So Webhead says, uh, Pikmin doesn't interest me. I said yes, because I see uh, your point. And he's replying to my point being, so my point on this was, if it's a game that's new to me, then I don't really, like, it doesn't matter if it's an old game. I think that paying the game price if it's just, if the game is worth $60 when it came out then it's probably worth $60 today if i've never played it if i've played it however then i i don't i don't want to spend the same amount on it but guess what i also have the re- the option to not buy it uh so i think that's what webhead is referring to uh he then says but unless you're obsessively have to buy a game you can always just wait for a sale case in point Walmart will put first-party Nintendo games on sale often enough, plus they already start at $10 less. That's a pretty good point. Jay Harley 17 uh, who's a community member I see all the time, they said, never played the game, and according to all-time sales, not many have. $60 is fine. Uh, so I guess, Jay Harley, here's my next question. What if lots of people had played it, but you hadn't? Would you still be okay with $60 as a price point? Um, Bug Hunt Man says people have had seven years to buy the game on the Wii U if they wanted to. Not to mention the game is still available to find physically secondhand. I consider this a moot point anyway because Nintendo will probably discontinue the Wii U eShop entirely in the next two years. Hmm. I wonder, well, I don't think it'll be that soon. Um, I think that the Wii, just the Wii eShop shut down last year in 2019. So I, I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case. But you make a good point. If people were going to pick up this game for the Wii U, they probably would have already bought it. You know what I mean? Uh, TF Wagner in, in our live chat here on YouTube says, $20 on the Wii U is more of a possibility than $60 on the Switch. So... Basically, he's saying, I'm much more likely to buy it on the Wii U than I would on the Switch just because of the price difference. However, T.F. Wagner, here's my question for you. If you were going to buy it on the Wii U, don't you think you already would have? Um, Because that game's been out for years and years and years. Uh, All right, we'll do one more reply. Uh, This one comes from the gamer to the right. They said, I'm fine with $60.00. The game isn't for me, but pretty much all first-party Nintendo is full price and rarely on sale. Never on a good sale, anyway. Removing it from the Wii U eShop is kind of shady, though. I'm not sure I like that. Not that many people had one or would likely buy it there now. And that that's a fair point as well. Uh, TF Wagner replied, he says, I have the time to play a game right now. I'm assuming he means that he didn't have the time to play the game 
back then. And that's a that's also another good point. There's a lot of different sides that you can take with this. So uh, thank you to everybody who replied uh, to all of my questions throughout the the week. Actually, two weeks because um, you know I didn't do a, a show last week because it was my anniversary. All right, let's let's get out of here. Listen. Wait, 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 wait. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I almost forgot about this. I feel really, really bad, but I almost forgot about our producers. Our producers are those that really, really do help make independent gaming content possible, as all of our patrons do. So at the end of every show, I make sure to thank our producers, and I almost dropped the ball today because I was distracted by uh, shiny things, as I often am. So let's, let's make sure that, that uh, we say thank you to each and every one of these people. Um, number one, it might be Shigeru Miyamoto, but I doubt it. Uh, Trucker Paul, Travis McGuire, Bowser, Matt Hadfield, Jordan Forbes, Eric Smith, and Josephine. Thank you to our producers. Thank you to each and every patron, and thank you for listening to the show. Okay, let's do the end of the show now. If you want to check out my YouTube channel, if you want to check out my Twitch channel, if you want to check out uh, my Twitter, if you want to check out our community Discord, which you absolutely should, uh, do us all a favor and head to runjumpstomp.com. You can find all the links there. The music on today's show is by Noteblock. There's, they, they make so much fantastic music. Make sure that you check out their stuff, and big thank you to them for letting me use their music. I'm out of here. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.